You know, I was praying about what I might be able to share with you this morning. And I I was reminded uh, in 1995, uh, I had a tremendous privilege. My wife and I had a tremendous privilege to serve at Shady Grove Church in Grand Prairie. And uh, I was a pastor. I was one of the elders there on staff. I had a very responsible position. I was overseeing a staff, overseeing a school, about 80 staff people, and uh, had a nice home. And, but there was something inside of me that was very dissatisfied. And uh, my wife used to tell me, if you don't take me to the mission field, you're going to have to answer to God for this. <laughs> and I said, well, how can I do that? You know, I can't. We'd try to kick, we'd try to kick doors in. You know, we'd gone to our pastor. We want to go to China. You know, we wanted to. There were like four different countries. We'd ask him to release us. And he said, man, I just don't. The elders just felt it wasn't, wasn't time. You know, wasn't time. And, uh, and I was getting older. And before I had such a zeal to go. And now, really, I didn't have so much a zeal to go because I didn't know if I could do it anymore. I think at that point I was only, you know, the, an old man of, uh, you know, 39, I think, or 38. <laughs> But, um, but I, um, we were in a prayer meeting. We had this prophetic brother that came to us from uh, Dutch Sheets Church, and he was ministering in our prayer center. And he looked at me, and he looked at Bonnie, and he said, I hear this rolling over and over and over again. He said, healing leaves to the nations. Healing leaves to the nations. And he said, you have a calling in missions. You know, and it was just like, it was like, it was like there was something way back there that I might, uh, you know, that one time I believed that, but it was like it was no longer within grasp. And so there was, it was, it was unreachable. It was unthinkable. And as he began to speak into our lives, it was like a little seed of faith began to arise, you know, that I think the Lord is visiting me. Now, have any of you ever been surprised by the Holy Spirit? Have you? Well, if you haven't, then just hold on because the Holy Spirit loves to bring surprises. He loves to surprise us. Just when we think we're on the right course just when we've got everything all figured out, then he comes at a moment if our hearts are open and if our hearts are receptive and he will surprise us. He told us, he said, there's a window open now. God wants to give you certain scriptures and he wants you to begin to pray those scriptures and begin to uh, wait upon the Lord to bring about his plan. And so Bonnie and I got aside that weekend, that very weekend, and we fasted, we prayed, and God gave us certain passages from the Psalms. And for one year, we would walk around that prayer center at Shady Grove, and we would pray, and we would call out to God, God, bless us, cause your face to shine upon, that the, that the nations may know. And we, we, we prayed these specific Psalms that God gave us, And then all of a sudden, about a year later, we had a missions conference. There was a video on the screen. Jewish people's hands were being raised in the air that were accepting the Lord. I just began to cry. 
And the Lord began to open one door after the next. So God loves to surprise us. And the surprises are by the Holy Spirit. We cannot factor out the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us. The Holy Spirit is the one who enables us in our weakness. I was reading this past week a devotional a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure. That treasure is the Spirit of Christ that's living within us. But what happens is we begin to see our earthiness. We get upset with somebody or we get irritated and we begin to just start focusing all the time on the clay vessel, on our earthiness. And we look at ways to cast out our earthiness (laughs) instead of really focusing upon the treasure that is within us. The treasure that has been given us because it's only in that treasure that we really can be changed and conformed into his image. That's the beauty. That's the miracle that somehow God by his spirit uses people like you and people like me who are clay earthy vessels with all our junk, with all our weaknesses. But the devil's plan is to get us to begin to focus upon our earthiness and get in a cycle of despair rather than focusing upon him and being changed into his image. Peter Hawkins said that there were three surprises of the Holy Spirit in the 20th century. One was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the Protestant evangelical movement, which really began at Azusa Street in the early 1900s. I mean, the Spirit of God before that was manifesting and was moving in the earth, but it wasn't in such great measure as what happened at Azusa Street. And when the Spirit of God fell, I'm sure the Protestants, the charismatic movement that would eventually be birthed and so forth, the Pentecostal movement, these people began to feel very good. We are God's chosen. And then what happened? The second surprise of the Holy Spirit God poured out his spirit upon the historic church. People that we thought were the devil. All of a sudden, the spirit of God began moving among many of those traditional Christian churches. And surprising them. The third, Holy, the, the, the third surprise of the Holy Spirit in the 20th century is what happened with Israel. In the rebirth of a nation in 48, the rebirth of Jerusalem as the capital of the Jewish people in 67, and then the corresponding awakening of the Jewish church. The Jewish church had pretty much been lost. There was always a seed. There was always a remnant, Paul says. But there was a corresponding rebirth of the Jewish messianic movement which was also a very much a surprise of the Holy Spirit. I want to speak briefly this morning on a passage out of Isaiah chapter 62. If you turn there, you've got a lot of young people in this church. This is the first time I've ever preached from an iPhone. This is pretty, see, I'm trying to impress you here. I'm trying to be cool. (laughs) 
because I'm only reading one verse, but, <laughs> but anyway, Isaiah chapter 62, beginning of verse 1, for Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. Now, what was Isaiah's burden? Was Isaiah's burden for world peace or for the UN to be of great effect in all the earth? No, it was for something to burn, for something to go forth and her salvation. The Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua. Eventually, the one who would save his people from their sins and as well the nations. And her Yeshua would burn as a lamp. So the Jewish people would see this salvation. This is something Isaiah saw. But then he says, And the Gentiles, the nations, shall see your righteousness And all kings your glory, you shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. Then go down in chapter, in verse uh, 10. Go through, go through the gates. In other words, go outside the gates. Go outside the city. Prepare the way for the people. Build up. Build up the highway, take out the stones, lift up a banner for the peoples. Indeed, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the world, say to the daughter of Zion, surely your salvation is coming. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called sought out a city not forsaken. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, gives a picture. We're in the middle of a missions conference. And Isaiah gives a picture of world evangelization. A day when the Jewish people will see Yeshua, salvation. They'll burn for him. The nations will be saved. But before this happens, he says, go out of your comfort zone, go out of the city, go out through the gates, and do what? Begin to build a highway. Take out the stones. So we're leveling areas, we're bringing up areas. Said of John the Baptist, he did the same thing. He came and he, he brought uh, the low places high and the high places low. He was preparing a way for Yeshua, for Jesus to come. Isaiah saw prophetically this same thing. He saw there were people going out through the gates and they were taking out the stones And they were preparing a landing strip, if you will, for Yeshua to come. What we're doing, what Soma Church is doing here in Tyler, what I'm doing in a small way with the people I work with, what Mesmore and Nani are doing, what each of you are doing in the fields that God has called you, business, secular, 
whatever you're called to do, we're preparing a highway for the Lord's return. We are doing our small part in a very big, big plan to prepare for the Lord's soon return. You know, 80, 90 years from now, most of us will probably all be gone. There'll be some of these young ones maybe still around if the Lord doesn't come. And right now, that seems like a foggy, hazy possibility that's not much on our radar. But I guarantee 80, 90 years from now, for most of us, this earth will be a very hazy remembrance. And we will have entered into the salvation of the Lord And it's what we do now, it's how we participate now with the surprises, with the help of the Holy Spirit to do our part to take out those stones. Now, Jesus said that he was not coming again until the Jewish people said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So on one hand, there's something to be prepared for the Jewish people that's happening today. We're seeing the fruit of it through people like Mesmore and his father, and others in Ethiopia. Look what he said, that the gospel must go forth to every nation, and then the end shall come. So on the other hand, there must be a going out to the nations. It's not an either or. Jesus prayed in John 17. He said, Father, I pray that they would be one. He didn't see a church that was divided all over the world, he saw some move of unity by the Spirit of God, a oneness in the church that I believe is happening today. And I believe God is using people like you to bring about a vision for unity in the church. I believe when people begin to see that the church You know, we may never agree on our term for unity and what the church is to look like, but I believe we can agree on Ephesians 2 and Romans 11 that the church is made up of Jews and Gentiles formed into one body through the blood of the cross. This is unity. And when the people begin to see Jew and Gentile together, it is a sign of the Lord's soon return. I think it's a sectarian tendency to reject all other expressions of faith in Jesus as deviant or defective. It's a fruit of replacement or rejectionist thinking that has its root in the first refusal of any Jewish expression in the body of Christ. When you reject those sectarianism and accept the rightness and necessity of both Jewish and Gentile expressions in the broader body of Christ within one body, you embrace a true vision for unity. I believe every Christian tradition carries a distinct witness of the Holy Spirit. That's needed for the fullness and final completion of the body of Christ. This witness of the Holy Spirit can only find its true place in the framework that acknowledges the first place of our elder Jewish brother. First, not meaning more important, but simply uh, of order. I really believe God in this hour, as we're seeing a restoration, as we're seeing the 
Holy Spirit surprise us and move in many different areas. I believe what God is doing in this day is he's, he's, he's bringing Jewish people to faith. He's using people like these dear ones, dear daughter in Uganda and Greece and other people going out, doing their part as the nations are coming in. God is taking out the stones in our own personal life, not by our discipline, not by our self-effort, but by focusing upon him, by walking in the grace of God, by letting him conform us and change us from one, from one degree to the next. God is helping us remove the stones. He's helping us remove the stones of offense that we've held toward other people. Those stones that Jesus talked about that we stumble over. When we remove those stones of offense, we begin to get a broader vision for what God is doing. We're taking out those stones. We're preparing that highway for the Lord's return. And I believe you at Soma Church are right in the middle of that. I believe your leadership has such a great vision for what the Spirit of God is doing in our day. I want to share one final story, and then I want my dear brother Mesmore, to come. Um, several years back, I had the privilege to uh, be on the Turkish, the Tur- Turkey and Syrian border in a dusty ancient village called Haran. Now, this place is the place of first faith, first calling. It's the place that Abram came from. It was in this village that 11 of the 12 patriarchs were born. It was in this vision that Jacob eventually went back and served for Rachel 14 years in this village. And it was in this village that Abraham sent his servant back to this village to find a daughter for his son Isaac. And if you remember the story, this servant met up with Rebecca at what is called today Rebecca's Well. Well, this very well still exists in this very ancient, primitive village with mud huts, a Muslim village. There is Rebecca's Well. Well, I was so fascinated by this. I went up to Rebecca's Well. I leaned over it with my camera because I wanted to take a picture down it. And my reading glasses fell out of my pocket and fell at the bottom of Rebecca's well. Today, this is one of my most uh, famous accomplishments. My reading glasses, I can say, are at the bottom of Rebecca's well. <laughs> so, you know, and, and they don't have QTs in uh, Haran, uh, Turkey, you know, to get another set of eyeglasses. So... I was pondering this because I felt the Lord was really speaking something to me. And, uh, and as I was, I was sitting there the next morning in my quiet time, I said, Lord, you know, I can hardly read my Bible. And I was going through a devotional by Basilea Schlink at the time, a great woman of God. And uh, I said, Lord, just speak to me today. And so with squinted eyes, you know, I looked, and this is what I read in her devotional that morning. In the desire not to grieve the Holy Spirit, I found it a great help to pray the following verses again and again. Come, Spirit of truth, and shed your light on me, illumining the innermost depths of my being. 
Bring to light, I implore you, the things I do not regard as sin, but which are sin in your eyes. Give me light and let me see your truth, that I may see myself as you do. Oh, give me light, Holy Spirit, give me light, that I who am blind by nature may come to see my sin, lest I perish in my sinfulness. Oh, give me light, Holy Spirit. I believe the Lord who wastes no experience if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. I believe the Lord was speaking something to me. Because I began to see how so often at that point in my life, I just proceed on logically with my plans without really depending upon the help of the Holy Spirit. Without really relying upon the Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me. John 16, Jesus said it was to our advantage for him to go away because he would send a helper to help us live right, to help us overcome sin, to help us find the true path for our lives. In Romans 8, Paul said the Spirit is able to help us in our weakness. I want to close this morning by just leaving you with one simple thought, and that is you need help. You need help. You each one have your own journey. We need the help of the Lord, not only to remove our own stones, but help us as we prepare a highway in the unique area that God has called us for the Lord to come and to bring salvation. I believe with all of my heart that God is helping Soma Church. And God is helping you. But I want to remind you that don't make your plans too firm in concrete. Be open. Be reliant. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Because God will surprise you when you least expect it. And I could have cooperated. I could have not cooperated with the Lord Back in 1995, and my life would have turned, turned a different direction for sure. But the Lord loves to help those who bow their knee and wait upon him and say, give me help. I just bless you. I bless you so much, church. I thank you for what you're doing for the salvation of the nations, for the salvation of Israel, for unity in the body of Christ not a sectarian type of unity that's worked by the plans of man, but true unity by the Holy Spirit.